This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Texting to the show at 710-710. Oh, hello. And welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant on this Thursday, May 20th of 2021. It's getting a little difficult to discuss the struggles of the Seattle Mariners at the plate, especially when they ultimately lead to a three-game sweep at the hand of the Detroit Tigers, who are not good. And last night, yes, the Mariners got five hits. They got a nifty little two-run homer in the first that allowed me to breathe a sigh of relief. But after that, few and far between. So the question of today's show, we all know they're really struggling to hit. But what's the actual solution to this? Is there a short-term solution? I I really don't think so. And I I thought about it last night. What are all the possible solutions? We've heard a couple of them suggested on this very show by listeners. I know one person said, you be patient. You let these guys get more plate appearances. That might work. It might not, though. I mean, maybe these guys don't have the talent necessary to make it at the major league level. Other suggestions. Some of you guys are bloodthirsty. Some of you guys want heads on a spike. You might be looking at Mariners hitting coach, Tim Laker. You got to fire him. All right, you you fire him. Well, now you got to find a replacement. And is that replacement going to be better? Is he going to get more out of a team that maybe doesn't have that much talent? Some people have gone even further. Impatient whippersnappers you are. You want more heads on spikes. Maybe you move on from the manager. Scott Service. What does that do in the short term? I feel like it might actually disrupt the entire process that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service believe they're in the midst of, even if they are in the midst of the last year of their contracts. You could promote someone or demote someone, but right now, I mean, you got everybody injured. You got Dylan Moore injured. You got Ty France injured. You got Evan White injured. You could make a trade, but what's the point in making a trade when you're in the spot where you're at right now, right? I I, I don't think a trade is all of a sudden going to make you a plus contender. Maybe you become a fringe contender. Maybe you're in the conversation for a wild card at the end of the year, but you have to pay something to... Make something like that happen. Or you could sign a random free agent. I suggested Albert Pujols because he's a name, and I recognized him. I hope that the Dodgers make me sound a little bit more baseball intelligent by putting him in the cleanup spot, and he actually succeeds. I do think that the fact that the Dodgers signed him is interesting at the very least. You're too good for Albert Pujols, and the Dodgers aren't? Oh. But, I mean, those are your options right now. If, If you have another one, please let me know. How do you get these bats to be better? 710-710 is how you do it on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You could also tweet me, at Galant says. One texter, step-by-step, Paul. We are not concerned with wins right now. Just get a hit, baby. Then maybe wins next. Another texter, you, we need the Michael Bolton approach. Ooh, Time, love, and tenderness. The Michael Bolton Lonely Island uh, joint uh, session together is one of the funnier things that I think Saturday Night Live has done over the last, I don't know, couple of years. On the Twitter, 
Atkawan says some of the answers. Not firing the hitting coach. That comes from Tim. Players like Luis Torrens and Marmaleos don't belong on major league rosters. DFA both. That's a start. Okay, but you got to replace them. Who are, you, who are you replacing them with right now? That's the problem. you got to go in a time machine to essentially replace some of these guys. We had Jerry DePoto on the Danny and Gallant show, 8.30 every single Thursday, in case you missed it, in case you want to hear what Jerry has to say about the direction of the organization. You should subscribe to the Danny and Gallant podcast, so that way if you miss it, you can check it out. And we asked Jerry about some of those struggles at the plate, and he told us what he's looking for when young players are having those issues. The first thing you're looking for, are they in a rush? You know, baseball is a very patient game. You have to play baseball with, and I, I've referenced it this way at times, you, know, you have to have a slow heartbeat. And, you know, the, the player who is able to maintain that slow heartbeat typically outperforms the opponent. And, and when the player gets in a rush, and so I, I, I just, when you've watched thousands and thousands of, of at-bats or innings pits, what have you, when the player starts to jump, when the hitter jumps from his backside to his front side, when the pitcher jumps from the rubber to – to the plate, and that's when you're starting to, to get outside of what you can do physically. So he's saying maintain a calm approach. It takes a while to get to that calm approach, right? And someone suggested yesterday the plate appearance side of things. Luke Arkins, friend of 710 ESPN Seattle, who is, I think, a fantastic seam head to follow on Twitter, highlighted just the relative lack of experience. If you need 300 to 1,000 plate appearances – in your development window as a hitter, well, there's only three Mariners that have had more than 1,000 at-bats. The rest are, at most, in the 500 range. Dylan Moore, Tom Murphy, Ty France. Kyle Lewis hasn't gotten there yet. Evan White's barely halfway there to that. Taylor Trammell has 26. Excuse me, Taylor Trammell is 95. Jared Kelnick is 26. So, patience, I, I, I suppose that is something that we all need to find a way to be, but then again, we're patient for 20 years. And it got me thinking in the midst of today's show, would you rather be competitively relevant for two years with no shot at a title? Let's say we go back to 2018, where the team is close. Well, you know that they're not a real playoff contender. They're just a good baseball team on a night-to-night basis. Or would you struggle two years with the perhaps chance of one day being a true contender. And Jerry DePoto had mentioned in that interview with us this idea of 24 and 24. What happens 24 hours from now? What happens 24 months from now? That latter part made me think, okay, well, maybe he is looking at things now through the prism of two years from now, this is where we think we will be. We will be contenders because those guys will have had the necessary amount of at-bats to get that development that they're going to need to be consistent major league players on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, what would you rather have? Because I think there are some of you out there that would rather the team just actually be relevant competitively on a night-to-night basis, and I don't blame you for that. I'm spoiled as a sports fan. I only want championships, so I can I can deal with the cocoon phase of the Seattle Mariners and the hope that a beautiful butterfly flies out at the end of things and actually is able to compete for a couple of years actually for titles. But what would you prefer? I'm curious. There's got to be a bunch of you out there that would rather just the team be, on a night-to-night basis, decent to good. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. We'll hear from you via phone. Your chance to be heard. 
in about five minutes or so. But right now, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air, it's time for What's Trending with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How you doing? Great. How are you? I am quack Fantastic. Quacktastic. I have tried to quote Billy Madison as much as I possibly can today. I don't know why, but I want to keep it up. I think it's because of uh, that dude on the that used to play for the Giants who decided to make a comparison to the Seahawks um, and the puppy who lost its way. Oh, Sean O'Hara. Sean O'Hara, yeah. yeah. I've been all about that today. He got Danny riled up. Yeah, Danny was mad. Mad Danny. I liked it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll actually move into some basketball here. Don't get to do that very often, but last night they had the play-in games. The Lakers beat the Warriors in uh, what was probably the best of the four play-in games, very close down to the wire. Uh, Pacers versus Wizards is tonight for a playoff spot, and Warriors versus Grizz on Friday. Um, But I know the thing that stuck with you the most was LeBron James' post-game interview with Rachel Nichols. Uh, you know, after, you know, Drake, my uh, finger to the eye, I was literally seeing three uh, three rims out there. Um, so I just shot at the middle one. And, uh, and I was able to, uh, to the grace of the man above, I was able to knock it down. He was not seeing three rims. He is exaggerating. He does not like Draymond Green. I think he believes Draymond Green to be a dirty player. To a degree, he is right. He was not a dirty player in that specific moment. He has some picking issues, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, he just jumps awkward. <laughs> but I'm a Draymond Green apologist, and I will admit that. I like the annoying players that play really good defense and get under people's skin. I don't like players who are bigger and stronger than everyone on the court who are flopping like a fish on the ground after just a minimal amount of contact because they are cheating. They are trying to get an advantage that is going to come because referees are scared of the actual star player. Stars get calls in this league. So when LeBron acts like he just got shot by a sniper in the face and that he is never going to be able to see again because someone threw a scalding pot of coffee in his face, they are going to decide to review it for five, ten minutes. LeBron can get catch his breath on the side as he gets eye drops put in his eye and then can be wheelchaired back out onto the court and miraculously hit a game-winning shot. Wow. How did he do it? It was a great game, by the way. I How love do the you pl- really feel, Paul? I don't like LeBron. I never have. I did not like LeBron before. It was cool. This is not... A personal thing. This is a sports fan thing. I thought he quit in that series against the Celtics in 2009. Or excuse me, was it 2010? Whatever it was. His last series with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I thought he quit. And I lost all respect for him there. And then he joined the Miami Heat. And by doing it, he basically mooned the city of Cleveland and gave them two middle fingers on his way out. And I, and like, that, that was, how did he not think that was, how did he think that was going to go over well? So ever since then, I have disliked him. And it, but it was before. It was before he actually left. I thought he quit in that series. And I'm also a Celtics fan. I have to hate the Lakers by default. And Celtics fans have generally not liked LeBron because he has done bad things to us of late. So I know it's a bit of a sports fan who's just whining and complaining about a guy who's really good that he doesn't like. Whatever. We all have our tastes and distastes. Fair enough. All right, moving on. ESPN's Dominique Foxworth had some interesting things to say to Mina Kimes the other day when he was talking about defense. He said that every defense needs to have a unit they can rely on. He had a specific unit in mind, but we'll listen to what he had to say here. You need a unit to be your backbone. and You need a unit to be like the thing, the group that can carry the weight so that you can give help elsewhere. And if you're running a zone heavy defense like they run, it has to be your front four. 
Like you have to have a real pass rush. And if you're relying on Quiddy Pay to to um, round out that pass rush, that gives me pause. So like if you're the Ravens, they they rely on their secondary. They got so many uh, coverage guys, corners and safeties that can cover because they are not going to rely on their front to get pressure. They're going to blitz. And that so that's what I look at yeah. when I see these top teams is like, what can they depend on or what do they have to depend on? Paul, do the Seahawks have that unit currently? No, and, and it, what's interesting about what Foxworth brought up there, Mora, is he started by talking about the Colts. The Colts don't have much of a pass rush. They have Darius Leonard in the middle of their defense. It's a it's a plus defense. They played really well last season, but some people are overrating them a little bit, and that was his point is what do you have to fall back on? In years past, the Seahawks had that linebacker group. I don't know that they necessarily still have it with K.J. Wright out of the equation, and I don't think that you want your linebacker group to be the backbone of your defense. Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. But it has been the case for a couple of seasons now, and now KJ's out the door. I like Jordan Brooks a lot. Don't pay attention to pro football focus. They're complete morons when it comes to Jordan Brooks. Brooks is a good player. He is a good player. He might be a great player someday. Really, I I strongly feel that way about Jordan Brooks, and I think anyone who feels otherwise, I don't think you know what you're talking about at all. And after that, though, is where you look at the rest of that group, and Daryl Taylor, all of a sudden, yikes. Then you look at the secondary. Okay, safety. I I like my safeties, but as a whole, is that secondary going to make up for a pass rush that is patchwork at this point? And let's admit, it's patchwork. I mean, it's not bad. I think that's what's bit them the last couple of years is I think that Pete Carroll absolutely wants the secondary to be that unit, to be the strength of the defense as it has in the past. He's a defensive back guy, and there's just been too much turnover and injury there the last couple of years. They have not been able to have any consistency. Right, and also, Mora, they got incredible returns on their early draft where they got Hall of Fame players at the back of the draft. It's hard to do that again, and and now they're going about it in an approach that seems similar to years past, but is that going to actually work out? The secondary is not that point. You need it to be your pass rusher or your secondary. It can't be your linebackers that you fall back on, and now I don't even know that they have the linebackers to fall back on on that defense. That played better down the stretch. Well, I think the thing is if one of those units steps up more, then the linebackers become more of a strength. Of all of all the groups more, who do you think is most likely to step up this season? Pass rush, linebackers, secondary. As far as the, the, the defensive unit that the Seahawks defense can rely on the most. I think there's a little too much question at corner about like with DJ Reed doing it full time, seeing if Trey Brown can find a spot. I love the safeties, but I would have to go with the defensive line. I think there's some potential if they keep everyone healthy for a lot of growth there this year. Alden Smith is an interesting one to keep an eye on. And of course, we haven't really heard a whole lot about his situation in the past couple of weeks. So very curious to see if he'll be there. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think I think it's a little easier to rely on it. DJ Reed played out of his mind last year. Is that going to happen next season? Defenses, they change dramatically year to year. And Foxworth also highlighted that. Foxworth is the best. I love Foxworth. He, he really provides some tremendous insight on the NFL. All right, guys. It is 10 18. 10, That's not a number. 10 18. 206 421 3776 is how you call in. You can text in too. 710 710 on the Mac and Jackson Brewing Company. Text line. Your chance to be heard. By the way, the Gross is going to join us in the sports pit. We'll continue to talk about the Mariners' bats. And by the way, we're. Giving you 31 chances to win a station logoed smart speaker. Go to 710sports.com slash win to learn how. Again, 206-421-3776. It's time for you to be heard. Boop, 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 boop,
that's the that's the music. We're changing the music now. Okay, guys. So the two questions that I have for today's show. The first one. We all know the Mariners are really struggling to hit. What's the actual solution? And, and give me a real one other than head on a spike because I know some of you guys are just bloodthirsty. You are French peasants in the 1700s. That's not necessarily the approach to go to. And also, would you rather be competitive? competitive? I can't speak English today. Oh, I'm like the French peasants myself. Would you rather be competitively relevant for two years with no shot at a title or struggle two years with the chance of one day being a true contender? Let's go to the phones at 206-421-3776. Daniel's in Aberdeen. Daniel, what's going on? Uh, not much, man. Jeez, you talk about plate appearances now after you kind of blew me off yesterday? Well, I, I still feel the same way, Nate. Excuse me, Daniel. I, I still feel the same way. I, I I feel like you look at some of these players, are more plate appearances going to make you feel better about the Evan Whites of the world? Like, Do you really feel like we have seen well, not enough out of Evan White where with extended plate appearances this is going to change? Because I think on, to some I, degree that you have a point. But I, I don't know that we can just sit back and say, all right, well, just, just give them time. Just just sit back and not touch the garden. Dude, I, I totally I get what you're saying there. But, you know, I was really curious because you talk about watching the Astros rebuild a bunch. So I went back and looked at the 2015 Astros, and they were well ahead um, when it comes to plate appearances. But also you saw a bunch of players in that rebuild who hadn't cracked the surface yet. And so I think that patience and time is going to be what they need to do here because you didn't, you saw Carlos Correa just come up in the 2015 season. Bregman wasn't up yet. Like there was a bunch of guys that weren't there yet. And I think the Mariners are about that 2015 area of process, maybe a little, a year before that, but that was an Astros team that went just over 500 and I think the Mariners are right around that area. Maybe next year will be that spot. But I think patience is the way to go because the farm system is there. Now they just need the experience. And last year stunted the growth significantly. Daniel, the patience approach is, is probably the correct one, even though I, I wonder with some of these guys, how do you sell that? How do you sell a frustrated fan base on that patience? You, uh, you don't, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's the worst part about this. You know, that's, that's, that's the frustrating part. Uh, Appreciate the phone call. I did. uh, I'm sorry if I came across as, as blowing off that plate appearance thing yesterday. I I just, there is a part of me that wonders if the extended plate appearances are actually going to get more out of these guys. Appreciate the phone call from Daniel. Let's go 206-421-3776 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle to Seattle and Nate, Nate, what's up? Yeah, hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so I just wanted to talk about the the Padres. I just because everyone compares the Padres and the Mariners because uh, they're both uh, rebuilding. I mean, the Padres are a little bit um, past that stage now. But you look at what the Padres did. They drafted really well. They made some good moves with young guys. Then they went out and got a Manny Machado, like a like a superstar, a proven superstar. Then they go out and they get. Um, Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, Aaron Nola, Jerks and Profar, um, Tommy Pham. They go out and get veterans that then well over a thousand at bats in their career, and then slowly the, the young guys start developing and coming up. Then they go out and sign three solid pitchers in in Musgrove um, and uh, Snell, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you know so. 
So it's like, what are the Mariners doing? They're throwing out four guys that are, you could call them quad A guys. Um, you know, they're throwing out uh, guys that probably shouldn't even be in the majors. And then I thought they rushed Evan White, to be honest, and I'm surprised that they gave him $24 million that that quick. Uh, so I, I just I don't know what we're doing, to be honest. Appreciate the phone call, Nate. Wow, that's a depressing way to wrap things up. I think you do have to keep in mind with the Padres, they have been unbelievably aggressive. I mean, think about the Austin Nola trade that they made last offseason. Excuse me, last uh, last year before the trade deadline. And they gave you Ty France along the way. Maybe they still would like to have Ty France. Again, we'll see if France is able to bounce back to the way that he opened up the season. They have been incredibly aggressive. But I think that there are some things that you could take a look at with the Padres and say, okay, at some point you got to open up the checkbook and just bring in a guy who is proven. And I do think that now with the way that baseball has trended towards, teams seem to be so terrified of the idea of signing a veteran player that there's actually a, a depressed market for these veteran players. So maybe that's an approach that you can go to next offseason. But right now, there's nothing you can really do in the short term. That's, that's what's unfortunate about the Mariners' struggles at the plate. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show up next. The Graz is going to join me in the sports pit, and he'll try to answer those two questions. How do you fix the Mariners' bats in the short term? And what would you rather have? team that's competitively relevant but not a real championship contender for two years or a team that struggles for two years but there's a chance after that that they have a shot to be a legit contender all of that next it's 10 30 and that means it's time to get in the sports pit in the pit where all that stuff goes down and if you don't have some freaking toughness you're gonna get your you're gonna, you're gonna fail with paul gallant and joining me in the sports pit, as he is every single Tuesday and Thursday, thanks to our friends at Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. By the way, if you have a text for him, send it in, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line, the great and powerful Gros. Dave Grosby, what's going on, buddy? Paul, how you doing, pal? I am doing better than the Mariners' bats. Because, well, we all are. Yeah. That's not... They're not... They're not good. Uh, do you have any <laughs> solutions, short-term fixes, ideas that we can put into the suggestion box? How about calming down? Whoa. Whoa. That seems like that it's directed you... at me. <laughs> you know what I mean, man. Yeah. You were getting the text from everyone who's ready to, ready to give up on the good ship Mariner. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a rough spot right now. And, and that's, that happens to all teams. If you have, if you look around this league, you, you see, if you're judging it by batting average, it's, it's the lowest it's been in 40, 50 years. Yeah. You got two teams that are hitting even lower than the Mariners are. So it's an epidemic problem in baseball. We had another no hitter last night. Um, <laughs> look at these had six already. Uh, so it's it's not like the Mariners living on an island in, in this this area where, where batters are feasting and they're the only ones who can't hit at this point. It's kind of struck everyone in, in baseball a little bit. So you know that's you got a lot of games to, to stretch it out and play yet. So no no reason to no reason to dwell on it necessarily. Although it's uh, it's been disappointing to say the least. You know you got such a burst of of kind of energy and enthusiasm when Kellenic played and then his second game he had the the three hits and the home run and and you know you scored a lot of runs last week it was just right. last weekend yeah i know that everything was great so you know then then a powerhouse like detroit comes in bringing up the rear <laughs> in the central and then <laughs> and then shut you down three straight 
You're so sarcastic there. But I like that you highlighted some positives. I mean, I did not even know that there were two Mariners, or excuse me, two teams that are batting worse than the Mariners. Nice. I think think there are. I hope hope there are. I I do too now at this point in time. We're just going to go with that and make ourselves feel a little bit better about the present, where we're at right now. Um, You're right about just the way that the game is is going. I'm, I'm getting frustrated with the amount of no-hitters that are taking place. I mean, mm-hmm. baseball, leave it to baseball to try to fix something and in trying to fix something, over-fix it to the point of now we have six no-hitters and we are on pace to shatter the record set in 1884 for no-hitters in a season, which was eight. Yeah, no kidding. That's a good, that's a good pull, by the way, on the record. I didn't pull it, but and, I will uh, take credit. Thank you. Take, take credit for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's you know I'm I'm rereading Moneyball. Oh, uh, you know which is which is uh, which is a great book, obviously, but it's also you know it speaks to the uh, the great transformation and, and attitude about about hitting and and whatnot. It's sort of the start of the whole thing, and and just just trying to get to the roots of how we wound up being here in this culture. I've, I've talked to Stelton about it, saying you know what you need for hitters to have is shame in the strikeout. And and there's no shame in the strikeout. No one feels bad if they strike out anymore when when they used to. And and um, you know putting the doing doing the things that 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 made baseball I thought enjoyable to watch, but understandably you know when when you get down to broad numbers, they aren't the right way to play the game if you want to be the most efficient. Yet the most efficient way of playing the game is not a particularly entertaining way of watching the game. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's a vicious circle baseball's in. <laughs> yeah. I'm fat because I eat. I eat because I'm fat. The vicious right. Yeah, it, it is in that spot. I, I asked this question earlier. The problem right now is that I think everyone has to just sit back and be patient because I know there are some who are suggesting, right. hey, fire fire the coaching staff. Uh, uh, one one texter said, um, 7-10, 7-10, you must make changes to the coaching staff. I don't care if it angers people. This team shows us and its players that losing is acceptable. That much change. I, I don't know that moving on from your um, hitting coach and Tim Laker or your manager and Scott Service is all of a sudden going to net results because these guys are, are scared for their jobs or, or something like that. So it, it led me down this path, Graz, thinking about a, a what-if scenario. You can pick one of these okay. two choices. And, look, you've suffered through a lot, most Mariners fans, just given this franchise's history. Would you rather for two seasons – be a, a la where you were in 2018. You might make the playoffs. You might not. You might win a first-round series. You're probably not going to. But at the very least, on a night-to-night basis, you are hitting well above 199. On the other hand, you continue these struggles at the plate, hope for the best, and, and you have the potential for an actual championship-competing team maybe two years mm-hmm. from now. What would you rather have? And I, I don't know that it's necessarily for everybody, especially with how frustrating this team has been, the championship uh, patient, the, the sitting in the waiting room for eight hours. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, if it was if it was a guarantee, it'd be no no contest. But I, I think that you know when you're talking about a 20 year drought, the longest in professional sports, and making the postseason, uh, you, you gotta. You, in my mind, it's got to be making the postseason. I mean, they have got to. Even if it's just the one game yeah. out. They've got to end this streak. I mean, they've got to get to the postseason. They have to. They have to. It's 20 years for crying out loud. I'm, I'm writing this series on the 2001 Mariners, and, and that's the last time they're in the playoffs. Well, they won 116 games. They haven't been back since. 
So they they got to find a way to get to the postseason. And, and look, I agree with you. I mean, you know, uh, it's not about a hitting coach. You know, that's the that's the thing about baseball. You know, you don't hit better if you grip the bat harder. Right. Right. You know, if you, it's just it's just it's frustrating in that aspect too. But you know, if, if you're going to look for if you're going to look at problems, you got to look at the guy who put the team together. I mean, pure and simple, you're looking at do they have the guys that that are going to be successful moving forward? And uh, this is the year where you're finding that out. And this is, by the way, May twentieth. Yep. So there's plenty of this year left before you find things out. But but this is the year you find things out, and and um, hopefully that. You know, they, they do get a chance as the year rolls on to, to have some better luck. But, look, if we were having this conversation um, Monday, it would be a completely different conversation. So it's, uh, it's, it's living and dying with every game, I understand. But, but making blanket statements based on, based on short run in baseball is, is crazy. Listener question of the day on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line with Dave Grosby. The Gros, and thanks to our friends at Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Are you in favor of dumping the shift? I'm totally. I've been a hundred percent in favor of that. I would. I would outlaw it. Period. Can't do it. I understand guys should have the discipline to hit the other way, but but they don't. Right. Uh, you you had the the game played for 150 years without the shift for the most part. And and look, I don't blame guys for being creative enough to come up with it, but it's it's one of those things. Look, I'm. I'm we talked about this. I think a few weeks ago. I'm for all kinds of crazy ideas. I, I love the, the idea that Greg Amsinger gave us about, you know, with, when you got two strikes on the guy, you, you remember this one, and uh, he hits a foul ball into the stands, he's out <laughs> if a fan catches the ball. Like and that. just imagining the moment in, in, in the stadium when everyone's anticipating that, that third strike and, and the chance to be a part of the game. I like the idea of, I, I love that what they're doing with extra innings. I mean, I think that makes sense too. So I, I, I definitely would outlaw the shift. I mean, I, I have no problem doing that. I understand that they should be able to hit around it, but they're not. And uh, I'd say you have to have two infielders on each side of the. That's the way the game was created. During my younger days, one of the suggestions that I had was, I don't know if you've seen the movie Gladiator. There's a fight that Maximus is in, and there's like a tiger that's just on a chain that's mm-hmm. hanging out. I was thinking, like, you just put a couple of tigers on chains in the middle of the field to see what happens. But I, I think the, 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 shift, the, the shift question, <laughs> how would you enforce that? That's what I've always wondered. Two guys on each two guys on each side of second base enforced. Okay. Oh, so, so it's done. Okay, but what, there there are ways around it, right? Like there are teams that would definitely push the limits. What you stand like slightly to the side of the base or something like that. Like I feel like there are still ways where you would be able to make this actually to your advantage and and still do those shifts. Well, I mean, if you got to have two guys there, you're going to have two guys standing next to each other. So I I don't know that. I don't know that that I don't. I think that if you did it just two on each side, I'd I'd be willing to live with with what guys could come up with. Okay. I don't think it would be as effective in taking things away, but um, you know that's that's just part of the problem. I mean, the 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 problem is the, in my opinion, just for the watchability of games, the the waiting on home runs and 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 walks and strikeouts have just have just taken a lot of entertainment value out of the game. Not that it's not more efficient. I'm not arguing that at all, but uh, it does not make for for entertaining baseball, and for the most part. The great and powerful Graz brought to you by our friends at Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Graz, thanks so much, man. Okay, Paul. He is the great and powerful Graz, everybody. Dave Grosby. Okay, guys, up next, we're changing things up a little bit on this show. So, question of the day, still on the table. Give me an actual solution for the Mariners' hitting issues. And are you willing to perhaps suffer? for two more years with the chance that the team might be better or would you rather the team just be competitive right now but 
you have two options. You have to pick one of these topics for me, and I will discuss it. It could be the many Seahawk haters that are out there. It could be the idea of playoff games in basketball versus play, uh, regular season games and why there is such a discrepancy. Text in 710-710. Added wrinkle to the Paul Gallant Show. Pick the topic next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Let's address some of those texts. In response to my question of the day, how do you fix these Mariners' bats? Give me a real suggestion, because some people have just said, be better. Okay, great. That, thank you. It's the worst suggestion that you can get from anybody online. Be better. Generally, I get that when my uh, mediocre sense of humor fails to elicit laughs, which is a lot. I'm sad just thinking about that right now. Anywho, be better. It's easier said than done, and being better, I guess, the process of being better requires patience. And as Jerry DePoto said with us, these players essentially slowing their heart rate and not trying to force anything along the way. Some answers to that question. Send 70% of your lineup down and call up high A to triple A. All right, I, I suppose that means really rushing the Julio Rodriguez show, which, by the way, has been off to quite the start in Everett with the Aqua Sox. Taylor Trammell's doing pretty well in Tacoma in that PCL, though the PCL does lend itself to fantastic numbers. I, I suppose if you send some of these guys down, given how many injuries there are right now, that maybe you get some better production out of the guys that you bring up. But I feel like if you're just sending people down – or DFAing guys, you are essentially doing exactly what you would be doing by putting Tim Laker or Scott Service off to the side. You have, I want head on spike syndrome. And it might net your results. It probably won't. And I'll just go back to this Ghosts of the Ost Front podcast that I listened to where Dan Carlin talks about all the Russian uh officers who basically for following orders and failing would be executed or sent to camps and then replaced by somebody else who probably wasn't qualified to be in that spot netting the exact same results and along the way you essentially might lose the confidence of one of those young players uh, some funny texts 710 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line I don't know roids maybe LOL, you have heard my take on this before. The steroid era was a great era. I understand that the game is tainted statistically because of it, but are you going to act like that was not a fun time to watch baseball? If you were to never find out the truth behind Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and that incredible summer that they had at the home runoff, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to have more of that? I mean, that was awesome. How often do you pay attention with that kind of day-to-day um, attention to baseball's regular season. Not very often. 
Text in 710710. Clone Shohei Otani, like he is Django Fett. Oh, interesting. Uh, for those who don't know, you know, if you watch Star Wars, Django Fett, Boba Fett's dad, is the guy that they cloned to create the entire army. I mean, he's a super soldier. Yeah, if you did that with Otani, though, man, I mean, you'd be to the point where if everyone is a great pitcher and hitter, you want to have some variance. I mean, honestly, sports do need some guys who are not at the top of the food chain athletically because you can't appreciate the guys who are absolute monsters without that. You know, I, I wonder about the day where there will be a day where I imagine that there are robots playing sports. That day will probably not be fun because I would imagine there will be a very, a very minimal degree of separation between those guys. Where I think with sports, there there, there definitely is difference that you see. <laughs> Text in to improve batting. Just close eyes and swing as hard as you can. Oh, that's interesting. I'm actually going to the ballpark later today, and I, I guess there's a, a, a media batting practice challenge. I'm a little nervous. Uh, you know, I, I feel the need to, to You just rep. have to do better than other media members, right? They're not expecting you to be Mitch Haniger. I know, Maura, but I have a high expectation for myself. Not that I'm good at baseball or have I ever been good at baseball, and I'm also concerned just about my right shoulder because whenever the last time I swung a bat, which was like three years ago, while I made contact with the ball, my shoulder basically felt like it came out of its socket. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned about that. Oh, no. I'm a little concerned about Who injuring are you going myself. Up I, I, have no, I, I have no idea. I really don't know. I, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, Paul, you get to go you know, in the batting practice. Now there's actual pressure on me? Well, now I have to represent because I talk trash as if I'm like the most athletic, non-athlete sports media member in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, I have a, I have a belt to, to, to maintain. I am not funny, as we found out. Uh, my Maybe voice... you weren't really on a trip last weekend. You were at the batting cages, weren't you? Shh. I did do that. I mean, come on. There was, was, there was so much effort put into that. Uh, text in, offer incentives every time they come around to score. A bounty system at bat. <laughs> I mean, it's not for lack of trying. I don't think anyone goes up to the plate and is like, yeah, I want to strike out. Now, there are some people who I imagine, I want to walk. And that's every single pitcher, whoever steps into the batter's box. But, yeah, there's not a whole lot of that. Text in, steroids wouldn't fix this. Yeah, probably not. Because, really, it's not a power issue. It's a, it's a just making contact with the baseball, period. Uh, lots of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. To the great and powerful Cross, who stopped by in the sports pit. To our texters, to our callers, to our tweeters. And, of course, the one and only Maura Dooley behind the glass. I am merely Paul Gallant. Danny and I will be back at you for Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday tomorrow morning at 7. Jake and Stacey are next. Until then, have yourselves a wonderful Thursday.